and they will go after Antifa and all the people that are responsible. He's got the FBI, the DOJ. Uh, he's got all the uh, federal agencies involved, and right. th they are going after all these people with full force. But especially, uh, he's going to bring in the army. Yeah. What's interesting is that today, in when I when me and Rachel were learning Ma'amar Hageula in the class that I, that we spoke about with you. Um, yeah. One of the lines that it said in it was um, that the um, Abadim are going to think that they're the masters and the Sarim are going to be uh, laying on the floor. Rachel, what's yes. the question? The Abadim are going to be on the floor, which is happening today. Which is what's happening right now. Yes, yeah. Well, what it really means is that um, evil will try to dominate. <clears throat> evil, arrogance, um, uh, anti-God, all this at the end of time will try to dominate uh, and to overthrow morality, tzaddikim, righteousness, and so on. And uh, that's really what you're looking at. You know, it's, it. it's not only a war against injustice and, you know, criminal acts, you know, but what, what it really is, is it's, a, um, it's the forces of evil trying to overcome the forces of good. And in many ways, that's exactly what happened. If you recall, that's what happened in Egypt. When right. Pari was destroyed and the whole country, what did he do? He tried to you know, recoup uh, his losses and come after the Jews again. Rabbi, can you talk a little louder, please? Can I talk louder? Uh, do you, well, yeah, do you hear me now? Yeah, much, yeah, better. much better. Also, before we start the class, um, yeah. our cousin went missing today. His name is Shilomo Ben Rivka. Could we do this class? And make a plan for, for his safety. Bring him home safe and sound. He went jogging and didn't come home. It's been eight hours. How old is he? He's 19. 19. 19, yeah. Is he, is he okay? I mean, is any anything We don't wrong know. Him? We don't know his phone. No, I I don't mean, but uh, by health wise, is he okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. You know what? He okay. went jogging in an area which is near King's Plaza, which is all Schwarzes. Yeah, it's all black. Oh, he had to come home. A lot of riots there last yesterday. Um, so we're it's a little concerning. Has the police been notified? Yes. The police and Shomrim are notified, and they've sent out wow. messages to the entire community. Wow. Mm. Can you do a little prayer, please? Yes. What's his name? Shlomo Ben... Shlomo Ben Rivka. Shlomo Ben Rivka. Um, the Shia should provide a merit, a schut, that he should be found safe and sound. Uh, and everything should be okay. Amen. Wow. Did he wear a yarmulke when he ran? We're not sure. I hope he didn't. We hope Eight he didn't hours. either. To what? We're not sure. Okay. <clears throat> um, in any case... Um, that's a very important concept that in the end evil will, what's called resurge, and try to overcome 
holiness and righteousness. That's what the uh, Maimahagula means. So the Avadim, who are slave subservient, you know, they will try to rise over the uh, and take authority and uh, and do- domination, dominion over over uh, people who are leaders. So in general, that's what happens. You see, and that will happen in the end of time, uh, because that's really, in the end, that's really what the whole purpose is is to destroy evil, where, where only good will reign, you know. <clears throat> anyway, um, what I want to uh, what, what I want to go uh, and understand is some of the events that are happening today, especially that they can be really seen uh, four, four, four thousand years ago. You see. Um, which, which is really very fascinating, and also to lay out a table, a timetable, of uh, you know what the stages of this world really is as the uh, tikkun progresses. <clears throat> uh, I had mentioned that uh, Adam Harishon, of course, the first man and woman, that their job, of course, was to do the will of God. And as such, they themselves would have elevated the entire world, in fact, the entire universe, they would have elevated uh, to be Ganadin. <clears throat> That's really what they were supposed to do. And then from there, Ganadin, it would ultimately have led into Ilam Habbo, which is the future world. <clears throat> now, originally... Uh, it wasn't God's intent that the one who would do this would bring the world to tremendous consciousness of God. It was not supposed to be the Jews. Really, it was supposed to be mankind. I mean, every human had the ability that through his acts, he would be able to do tikkun, which really means to bring down ore, to bring, to bring down energy from the sfirot, and change reality. <clears throat> All mankind had that power. It wasn't only given just to the Jews. Which of course makes a lot of sense. What happened of course was. <clears throat> that Adam sinned. And that idea that all mankind really. Is metakin. Can bring rectification. Or repair to the creation. Just continued. It continued with Cain and Hevel. <clears throat> now, I had mentioned that uh, what, what the sin of Adam did, of course, is it added an additional stage. And that stage is the stage where the Satan grows strong and he is able to transmit or project a certain tum'ah, a certain force uh, that allows him to control the world. That force we know is called Zoyamo. It's called Zoyamo, which means pollution, contamination, Tum'ah. <clears throat> and therefore the world became saturated with Zoyamo. And therefore we now have two things. We need to remove this Zoyamo, which we know is the rationale for the Mashiach ben Yosef. And then to bring down Kitushah to repair the rest of the world from the absence of God, and that is the job of Mashiach ben David. 
We know that. Which is interesting because that's why Adam Rishon had two children. One was Cain and the other was Hevel. And therefore these two jobs really were distributed between these two people. Which makes sense. Cain, the, the Torah calls him Oved Adama, somebody who worked the ground. And what that means, by working the ground, he would rectify the physical world, which means that he was in the area or the, uh, the uh, project of Moshiach bin Yosef. That was his job. So in, words, in a certain sense, he was the forerunner of Moshiach bin Yosef. This is Kayan. And therefore, he was an Oven of Adamah. And where God says to him that, you know, if you do, fine, if you, if you are lifted, but if you sin, sin lies at the door, and he wants to conquer you. So what he was telling Cain is your job is to subdue evil. But evil, obviously, does not want to be subdued. So therefore, you need to be careful. So that was his job, which is really ultimately the job of Mashiach and Yosef. Hevel, on the other hand, was a Roet's own. His job was to bring the people, uh, you know, Adam Rishon and so on, back to God. Because that's what a, a shepherd does. He brings his sheep back to the corral where is where they really reside, they belong. So his job, ultimately, was to bring Kiddushah back to the world. And that, of course, is the job of Mashiach bin David. So what's interesting is that both of these people really had the job of, uh, of uh, accomplishing the two stages, you see, of the tikkun. That's really who they were. So what happened, of course? Cain, he was jealous. <clears throat> Instead of doing his job by withstanding the temptations of the Satan and his jealousy about Hevel, he killed Hevel which, of course, is an incredible tragedy. As a result of that, Cain could no longer do that job, you see. So, therefore, the job of Ben Yosef and the job of Ben David, which used to be Cain and Hevel, now went to the rest of mankind. Then there are people who are involved with trying not to sin. These people are in the Shlichut uh, in the uh, section called uh, what's called the to destroy evil, and there are people who lived after them, of course, who were involved with what's called Hitpashtut Kitusha to spread holiness, and this continued. You see, so it comes out that the job of the Jew today really was the job of mankind. Uh, both both of these. Uh, uh, both of these uh, jobs, sections. One is to destroy evil, and another is to bring Kedushah back. And that, of course, persisted until Noah. But the problem is, by the time Noah arrived, the world had become unbelievably evil. So what happens is, is that when a person who can do the Tikkun sins, then he enormously brings down, or he gives the Kedushah that he should have gotten, and the contrary, he gives it to the Satan. And the Satan now becomes empowered because of the tremendous 
kiddushah that he's yoinek, that he nourishes, and his zoyhamo increases substantially. In fact, what's interesting is that it is said in Kabbalistic uh, uh, ideas that the amount, if you want to know how much Zohamo filled the world because of the sins of mankind at that time, so the Teva, the Ark of Noah, when it floated on the water, so the volume of the Ark was, represents the volume of Kiddushah, and the volume of the water that filled the entire planet represents the Zehamo. Wow. If you imagine, it's an incredible percentage. In other words, the world was so filled with Zehamo that the waters of the world represent that, but, and the Kedushah was so little that it is represented by the ark itself. How big is the ark compared to the waters of the entire world? And therefore, the Vershom decided that since evil is so predominant, it is not possible, really, for anybody to have free will. Because in order to have free will and not sin, you know, you cannot have an overwhelming amount of tum'ah, of sin. In other words, anybody who would be born in that generation by Noach, forget about it, he has no chance. There is so much evil in the world. There is so much hashkata, corruption, right, in the world he really doesn't have a chance. So therefore God said, I therefore must destroy the world because nobody really has a chance. The whole concept of, uh, of a test is, is basically impossible because that's how much evil there is, you see. Um, in fact, the Gemara has an expression for that, that, you know, if, 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 if Gemara says that if you take a guy, you know, and put him next to a, uh, a house of zonot, brothel, and you give him beautiful clothing, and you give him money. So the Gemara says, What can this guy do and not sin? He's finished. Because what happens is the overwhelming nisayon will stop him from doing the, uh, you know, from with, with, withholding uh, his ability to do the sin, to do sin in general. So therefore, God decided to destroy the world and start all over again. And of course, the one he would start with would be Noach. Now, Noach himself was really also, if you think about it, also in the inyan of Mashiach ben Yosef. Because his job was in certain ways <coughs> is to try to, again to remove the Zohamor from the world, you see. So therefore, he was really part of that and the rest of mankind that you know, came from him, Chom, Shem, Chom, and Yefes, uh, they were all, again, part of the people that could do the Tikkun. So they were the equivalent, really, of Jews, even though they were not Jewish. So they are what's called, I think I mentioned last time, Yisrael. The difference between a Yisrael and a Yehudi, or, or an Ivri, is a Yisrael is somebody that has a nishama that is connected to all the ulamot, all the five ulamot of the creation. And there are five. There are four, uh, there are basically four spiritual worlds, and there's one physical world. So somebody who is a Yisrael has a nishama that has five parts. 
He has what's called the nefesh, the ruach, the neshama, the chayin yechido. Each one is connected to one of the worlds. You see. So the the the, uh, the nefesh, which is the lowest part of the soul, that is connected to the physical world. It's called olam asiyah, the world of action, because this is where we have to do the action to bring the t- to do the tikkun, bring God back. The ruach is connected to the olam. Yitzira, which is right above us, it is a spiritual world, okay, uh, that um, our nishama, part of it, which is called the Ruach, is connected to that, you see. Then the third aspect, which is called nishama, which is a part, uh, is connected to the Olam of Brio, which is the world of creation. Now, each one of these worlds, by the way, has a completely different set of beings, now, the Chaya is connected to the world of called Atzilut. And then the highest world, which ultimately is the future world, I mentioned last time, is called the Chaya, excuse me, the, uh, the Yechida. And Yechida is what connects us to the Ulam Habo, to the future world. <clears throat> Therefore, if somebody has or is connected to all five Olamot, four being spiritual, one being physical, then when he does an act, automatically he can influence the holiness on that world. And since... Oh? We've lost him. Hello? Yeah, I think he got disconnected. He'll call back in. Stay on the line. Um, what was but it? But he doesn't know that he's... He doesn't know that he's... <laughs> He'll call back? Yeah, he'll call back in. He has to realize that he's connected to all five worlds can bring down. I have his phone. I have his number. Maybe he's still talking. (laughs) He can still be talking. Steve, are you there? Steve? Who? Abe? Uncle Stevie. Stevie? Stevie? So, so I called you on your house phone, but you got disconnected from the main line. But everyone's, yeah, pulled back the main line. We're still all there. Okay, see you soon. So we should call back. He's calling right back. Stay on the line. He's calling in. He was in the middle of a person who's connected to all sides. Is Sipidat, which we'll is connected to. As part, part, part so, connected to the Olam Habriyah. Okay, but Haya is Olam Asiya also? Asiyo. I don't oh, even know what that is. I want to ask him what that means. Close back in. Is he on? Now someone came in. Yeah, yeah hello? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, what happened? You said first, okay. a person who is connected to all five worlds can bring down what? Yeah, okay. Now, therefore, the neshama is connected to all the five worlds. And as a result of that, any act that a person does, whether it be his thoughts, 
his speech or his acts would immediately or automatically influence part or something in that world, you see. And only somebody who has the anishama of five parts can do that, you see. So therefore, somebody who is a metakain who can rectify the world, like Adam, Adam Harishon or like Noah, all of them have a nishama that has five parts. And therefore, they are called Yisrael, you see. By the way, uh, just as an aside, which is interesting, the question is, if you are connected to all five parts, can you visit there? That's interesting, isn't it? And the answer is, what was that? I, I think yes, of course. And the answer is yes. Right? So what does that mean? That means right now, even though we're connected to all the olamot, right, and therefore we're not conscious of them, it is possible to open up the consciousness of each of these worlds. How? Uh, if you recall, uh, Rabbi Akiva, it's a famous uh, Chazal, Rabbi Akiva, he went and he, he, he went Lamaila, that's called Ruch HaKodesh, and he actually activated the consciousness of Olam Yitzira. That's right. That means he activated the consciousness that his Ruach could see because it is connected to Olam Yitzira. That's what he did. And as a result of that, he had certain encounters. You see, that ability to access consciousness of Olam Yitzira through the Ruach is called Ruach HaKodesh. That's what real Ruach HaKodesh is. Now, we know Ruach HaKodesh today because all of a sudden, somebody who has it knows things. All of a sudden, he's given the knowledge and uh, from nowhere. And of course, that's because he's informed about something from the Olam of uh, Yetzirah. Or rather, it, it doesn't work that way, but he knows things. But real Ruach HaKodesh it's when somebody accesses the consciousness of Olam Yitzira. Now, can you go higher? And the answer is yes. It is possible to access or be conscious of Olam Brio, which is the third world going up, which means that the Nishama actually becomes conscious of a level that is connected to, which is Olam Bria. How does that work? And the answer is, that's what prophecy is. A Novi knew how to open up the consciousness of his nishama, which is the third part of his nishama, called the nishama, and he was able to access the consciousness of Olam nishama. And as a result of that, you could speak to malachim, because there are many malachim that inhabit Olam Briya, you see. So, if you think about it, that's really what these spiritual states are. They allow you to access worlds which you are connected to, or else you couldn't in any way be conscious of them. But since you are connected to them, if you know the Shemot, or the right procedure, how to do it, you can actually, you can actually have real Ruach HaKodesh, which is the ability to see, Olam Yitzirah, or nivuah prophecy, which is the ability to go to look, to, see, to be conscious of olam bria. 
you see, which is, uh, <clears throat> but what, I'm, what I want to say is that uh, any person who has a metakain is automatically connected to all the worlds, which means that everybody is men and women. That means everybody who's listening really has an ishama that has five parts. Each one of those parts is connected to a different olam, four of them being spiritual and one of them being physical. But the problem is, of course, is we don't know now how to access them. That ability was lost when Nuvu'ah was lost. What was that? So there's no person in this generation that's able to connect to that um, Nuvu'ah at all? Yes, correct. That is the, the problem is we cannot be a Novi. In fact, we cannot even have Ruach HaKodesh of which I just described. That's right. the real Ruach HaKodesh where you are connected to Olam Yitzirah. The reason for that, there are two reasons for that. One is because uh, we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to open up the consciousness of those worlds that we are connected to. The second reason is because we are Tamei. We are all Tamei uh, from what's called Tumas Meis. Uh, because the only way to remove, uh, if you touch a dead body or if you are in the same room as a dead body, you will become Tamei with a very severe form of Tum'ah. The only way that Tum'ah can be removed is through the Para Aduma, the red heifer. Right. But we don't have that. So therefore we can never remove the Tum'ah of mace, of a dead body. And all of us have been to the cemetery, we've been to funerals. You know, everybody is Tamei at Tamei Mace. You know, someday the, there will be a Para Aduma, someday. And when there is, you can actually remove all the Tumah. A mikveh can only remove Tumah from the other things which are metameh. But the only thing that can remove Tumat mate is the Poraduma. By the way, there was a Poraduma that was born in Lakewood about five years ago. I, I saw remember. it. I saw it. It was amazing to look at. Uh, it, was mom's, it was a red... I mean, it wasn't red-red, but it was like red-orange. And it was a real Pora Duma. It was amazing to look at, uh, which is, uh, it, it's really a mutant. Extremely rare, you know. Unfortunately, and I remember the guy, and, he got, and it was born in Lakewood. I remember that, you know. And, and the weird thing about that is the guy who owned it, he was Jewish, and he knew he had a Pora Duma. So some guy offered him a million dollars for the Pora Duma, but he refused you know, because he wanted to ultimately bring it to the Mashiach. The problem is, is that he allowed it to remain with bulls. And all of a sudden, oh. the Paraduma was pregnant because he never separated the males from the female. And of course, a pregnant Paraduma is worthless. What a loss. But anyway, but someday there will be a Paraduma. And therefore, once you do that, you'll be able to remove that type of Tumah. And because of that, then you can become a Navi, assuming you know how to do it. But that's the main idea, that we cannot become Naviim because of the Tumah of of mate, and there's no Paraduma. In the old days, they had the Paraduma, or they had the ashes uh, of the Paraduma until about 300 uh, 300 CE. That's only about uh, 1,700 years ago. Oh, and then the, that was it. They, they used up the last. There was no more Pua Duma. 
and that was over. But in any case, the main idea that I'm saying is that there are many spiritual journeys that a Jew could take. Uh, Ruach HaKodesh is one, which I mentioned. That's consciousness of Olam Yitzira, the world of formation. A person can also be a Navi, where he can see, be conscious of the world of Bria. But it requires, obviously, certain things which we do not have, which we will have when the Mashiach comes. In any case, <clears throat> so these are the abilities of a Jew. So anybody that can, is connected to all five worlds can rectify all five worlds. See, that's what it takes. So it comes out that for 2,000 years, mankind can rectify the Bria. You see. However, the problem was, is because they had the ability to rectify, guess what? They also have the ability to makalkel. Because if you can remove, if you can bring down Kiddusha, right, then you can, if, if, if you do a mitzvah, then what happens also is if you do an Avera, then you give that Kiddusha to the Satan. In other words, if you can do one, you can do the other. And of course, that led to tragic consequences. Because since mankind had the five part Nishama, uh, they were able to bring down <clears throat> or give a tremendous amount of Kiddusha to the Satan. And as a result of that, <clears throat> that empowered him to produce an unbelievable amount of Zohama. This was the problem. So it comes out that by the time Avraham Avinu, which was 2,000 years after mankind, what happened? Again, mankind sinned, so God decided again that he has to change the world. You see. So the first time he made the decision <clears throat> to destroy the world, but since he swore never to do that again, <clears throat> so, what man, so what God decided to do is he has to separate mankind. Because apparently they were all united, right? And if they're united, then people can influence one another. So he decided that the only way to continue with, uh, you know, mankind is that he has to separate them, you see. But we know that before God does anything that monumental, he will always warn the world. He will give them a last chance. So the question is, we know that they did the Migdal Bavel, the Tower of Babel, we know that. <clears throat> and the Chumash says at the end of Noyach that they did it in order to war with God. They were going to build a tower, right? And they were going to war with God. Now, at that time, there was only one nation, as the Torah says, and only one language, you see. And they were all going to build this tower to war with God, you see, and therefore to try to replace him. That's what they were going to try to do. <clears throat> so God decided that Obviously, since they're all united to do this, the only way to stop this is to disunite, is to separate all the uh, mankind, which is actually what he did. He created the concept of languages, which never happened before, because if you look at the Chumash, it says that they were, there was one nation, and they spoke uh, one language, Sofer Chos. It was one nation. Uh, and this, and, and these, uh, this nation was in, the, in Shin'ar, which really in today is Babylon or Iraq. Uh, that's where the nations were. 
And what happened was, like I say, is that they tried to war with God. So God decided that the only remedy to this, if he wants to continue with the grand project, which is the Tikkun, then he has to separate everybody. But before he did, he decided that he needs to separate mankind. Because once they're separate, right, then they won't war against them because now nobody can influence anybody else. Because they are now separated by language, which of course creates a different culture. Each nation now has its own language, its own culture, you know, its own history, and so on. <clears throat> but there was another very important idea why he would have to separate mankind. Not just so they couldn't influence each other, there was something else. What was that? Because he saw, God saw, that the only one doing his will was somebody called Avraham Ovino. Avraham Ovino originally was one, of the, was one of mankind. In fact, the Tower of Babel ha happened when Avraham Ovino was 52 years old. What year was that? It was 1996. 1,996 years after the creation, after Adam, uh, that's when the Migdal Bovel, the tower, the incident of the Tower of Babel happened. Right at that time, you see. And Avraham Avinu was only 52 years old. So he actually lived at the time that mankind was separated or split. So therefore, God saw that Avraham Avinu is the only one doing the will of God. You know, Avraham Avinu realized there was one God, and he destroyed the idols of Terach, and so on. It's a whole story. And then Nimrod, you know, decided to throw him into the pit, and so on. Into the fire, I should say. And, uh, you know, of course, God saved Avraham. Uh, but the main idea is that Avraham Avinu was also a metakain, because he was among the nations, that, that, that one nation. So he also had that nishama. So what God decided is that he's going to take away the ability of mankind to do the tikkun. Because remember, if you can do the tikkun, if you can remove, this, destroy the satan and his zoyamor, then you can also give him zoyamor. You know, if you, if you can rise, you can also fall. <clears throat> so God decided that he would create the concept called a nation, nations. And what he did is he split those nations, that nation, one nation, into 70. 70 nations. Now, Avraham Avinu was originally part of that, because he was a Metakain. So what God decided is that he's going to give the ability to do Tikkun, he's going to allow it to remain with Avraham Avinu, but he's going to take it away from everybody else. Now, what that happened was very interesting. But he decided he's going to warn that nation that was warring against him. How? So what he did is that he gave them a last chance, that nation. What he did is he allowed an individual to grow very great. His name was Nimrod. Nimrod was an interesting character. He was the one who was behind the Tower of Babel. So he made Nimrod great, known, you see. Uh, but besides making Nimrod great, great, he also made Avraham Avinu great. So they were both very known people, you see. 
And maybe that's one of the reasons why Nimrod threw him into the fire, the furnace. Why? Because Avraham Avinu was not a mere guy. He was really known throughout, you know, as a highly influential person. So God said this, if they follow Nimrod and they decide to build a tower, then he will exercise or execute the decree and he will make sure that they are all split by creating what's called the diversity of language. However, if they realize the folly of what they want to do and they follow Avraham Avinu, then he would allow that nation to continue being a metaken. You see? That was the real test. Do they follow Nimrod? And therefore the decree to separate the nation will happen? Or do they follow the Avraham Avinu and therefore they will retain their status of being a metaken? Why is that important? Because what God realized is that if they follow Nimrod, if they follow Nimrod, why not just disallow them from being a mitakein? Just remove it. In other words, remove their neshama, uh, and therefore they cannot do the tikkun. That's all he has to do. Why does he have to split them? And the, uh, the idea to that is that it's very interesting. Because God knew that since Avraham Avinu is going to be able to do the tikkun, and they can't, and they remain as one nation, well, guess what? This one nation will kill Avraham Avinu and all his descendants because basically it's one against one, you see. But if he splits them into 70 nations, then they're not going to harm Avraham Avinu, at least hopefully not. What they will do is kill themselves. They will war amongst themselves, you see. And therefore, Avraham Avinu and his descendants that will be able to do the tikkun, they will survive. <clears throat> So you see the logic of splitting the nations. What was that? Repeat that last line. Mr. Kantara Wade was... Repeat that last line. God realized that if he allows that one nation to exist as one nation, even if he takes away the tikkun from them by, by, by removing the, the nishamot, uh, you know, the, the five-part nishamot that they have, Right? And then they cannot do tikkun because if you're not connected to all the worlds, you cannot influence all the worlds. Uh, so what he did, he realized that it'll be one nation who cannot do tikkun and they will try to kill Abraham and his descendants who can do the tikkun because it's really only one against one. So therefore he decided that he's going to split them with languages. And therefore since they're spread all over the world, instead of ganging up on Avraham Avinu, they will gang up on themselves. They will war themselves. You see, and then they will leave, basically, leave Avraham Avinu alone. In other words, since the tikkun has to continue for the next thousand, four, actually 4,000 years, then he must split the nations. Because if he keeps them intact, even though they cannot do the tikkun, because he's taken away the neshama that can do the tikkun, he still has to split them because they will try to kill Avraham. Because they will recognize that there's something special about Avraham Avinu and the Jewish people, his descendants. So therefore God split them in order that they shouldn't take it out on Avraham. They should do it to themselves. In other words, they should war with themselves. And this has been happening, if you think about it. <clears throat> you see, 
uh, the Jewish people, of course, descended from Avraham Avinu, and the nations have been fighting with each other for what? For thousands of years. Think about that. Uh, the nations have been conducting war with themselves for thousands of years, and they basically have allowed the Jews to survive in order for the Jews to do the tikkun. You see? So that strategy of splitting the nation in order to allow the Jews to survive and do the tikkun is what happened by the Migdal Bavel. You see? Uh, so now you understand why God took it away. Uh, he took it away because they were, instead of doing the tikkun, rectification or repair, they were sinning and creating an enormous amount of Zoyamah. So that's why he had to take it away. He left it with Avraham Avinu. Why? Because he was the only, doing, only one doing the will of God. And therefore God decided that he would leave that with Avraham Avinu. And Avraham Avinu would now become the Metakain. And he would give that over to his descendants. But the problem was, is that if the nation remains one nation, ultimately they're going to focus all their attention against Avraham Avinu and the Jewish people. So therefore God decided to split the nations of the world so they're all over the planet, and because of that, right, they will leave Avraham Avinu and his descendants to do the tikkun, and they will fight amongst themselves, which is exactly what's been happening throughout history. You see, <clears throat> therefore, what do we see? What's the punchline of this? A fascinating idea that we realize that if the nation remains as one, they will automatically have enormous amount of anti-Semitism and they will try to kill and destroy the Jews. Therefore, the nations have to become split. What that meant, however, is something very interesting. As you get closer to the Mashiach, right, and the Tikkun has been 98% done, then it's okay for all the nations to become one. You don't need to split it, you see. At all. Because it doesn't make a difference anymore. Avraham Avinu and the Jews will have rectified the world. So even if you reunite the nations, right, then it's okay. So what God did is interesting. He, he allowed mankind to create an organization that would reunite all the nations into one. What is the name of that organization? The United Nations. In other words, the United Nations is an organization, right, that is, is the undoing of the Doha model. Then the nations were split. But now the United Nations unites all the nations. And even though there are many languages, each nation has its own interpreter. You know, they, they all interpret uh, uh, to, the, to the language of the UN. So it comes out, of course, that God was right. Because what does the UN basically do? They're always condemning Israel, you see. Because the nations realize that there's something special about the Jews. Therefore, and that's basically what the real reason for anti-Semitism is. Because they sense that there's something special about a Jew. And we know, of course, that there is because he can He has an ishama that is connected to all the Bria, everything. And they don't, you see. So therefore... As long as the Jews have to do the tikkun, right, then they have to remain split. But as we get closer to the Messiah, to the Mashiach, then it's okay if they unite. In fact, God wants them to unite, you see, because he wants mankind to come together. 
The problem is if mankind comes together, they're going to hate the Jew and try to destroy him, which is exactly what's been happening. So the United Nations is one of the proofs that the Mashiach is right around the corner because that never would have happened had the Jews still been involved in the tikkun process. See, but since 98% of the process is complete, then it's okay for the nations to unite. And that is the reason for the United Nations. That's one of the proofs, by the way, that we are ultimately right on the doorstep of the Mashiach ben Yosef, because the world has been united. And they are doing exactly what God said they would do, which is what? Is that they are trying to, they have a double standard they condemn the Jews all the time, you see? But that's exactly the reason why God split the nations 4,000 years ago. So it's amazing that if you understand the real meaning of the Doha Mabel and why God had to split the nations in order for the Jews to be able to do the Tikkun, then you understand why there's a United Nations. And not only that, but you realize that United Nations is one of the major proofs that the Mashiach ben Yosef is right around the corner, you see? Because since the Jews have done the Tikkun for 4,000 years uh, after Avraham Avinu, then it's no longer necessary for the nations to be split. They can go back to being what they were, you see? So that's a very important idea, and it's actually an idea which we recognize now. And that's why the United Nations formed in 1948. Eight or 40, 46 or whatever, you see. So in many ways, that's, that's a fascinating idea. But all of this originated in the split of the nations where God took away the ability of the nations to do the tikkun. You see? Yes. That is a bit of, that, that's an understanding of how you can understand the real movement of history based on the hashkafah of, of the Torah. Very interesting example, you see. Any questions so far? We had said once that the UN was the Gog. Yes. Right? That's right, yes. That because of this, it shows you uh, who is Goig. Goig is an individual who unites, who comes from Mogoig, that's the country, and he unites the entire world. <clears throat> and all of this is predicted in Yecheskiel uh, Lamedches, you see. <clears throat> but who is this? In, who is this? Well, the idea really is that uh, the well, gematria of Goigumogog is 70. And what God did is he split the nations into 70, 70 different uh, uh, routes, uh, which I will explain, not now, but maybe next week. Then you understand why there's Svadim and Ashkenazim. But in any case, <clears throat> so... Uh, he split them into 70 different nations, you see. So they're really 70 different languages, you see. And, uh, and therefore, Goig, and Goig really is, an, is, is the UN, United Nations, that unites all the nations of the world, all the 70 nations. Actually, there's 193, but many of them have the same root, you see, even though there are many political entities, but there's really only 70 spiritual roots, of, of which Avraham Avinu took over, which I will speak about. But in any case, and that's who they are. Goig from Mogoig is really the UN. 
That's the unification of all the nations. And lo and behold, what are they always doing? They're, what they're always doing is a double standard. <clears throat> you know, it's funny. Many years ago, the, the Reader's Digest... Anybody remember the Reader's Digest? Yeah. It's a law. It's, a, it's gone for many years. Uh, but they once had an article about the UN... And I read it, well, it was a long time ago, but they noted something very interesting. They said, you know, the United Nations exists in order to have a platform where all the world can come and practice, you know, uh, peace, prosperity, and justice, you know. So they wondered, why is it uh, that 93% of the resolutions that come out of the General Assembly, which is one of the parts of the UN, why is it that they condemn Israel all the time? This doesn't make sense. I mean, everybody sees that they're always condemning Israel, no matter what Israel does. You see? It's like they can't get away. Uh, like I say, no matter what they do. And therefore, there's always a double standard. I mean, everybody sees this. Which, you think that doesn't make any sense. Of the 193 nations represented by the United Nations, the only ones that's constantly condemned, no matter what they do, right, is Israel. And that's exactly the whole point. Because God had to split them, because he realized that when the nations are united, or they are as one, they will always condemn Israel, and they will try to destroy them if they had the power. Fortunately, they don't although they do have the power of sanctions. So it comes out that as soon as the nations of the world are united, right, what happens? They're back to the old business of trying to destroy Israel, the Jewish people. It's the same idea. When Migdal Bovel, the Tower of Babel, was being built by this one nation, what were they trying to do? They either tried to kill Avram Avinu with the burning furnace, or they were trying to war with God. You see. Um, so therefore, that would also exist when the nations are united. And at the end of time, that's what happens. So Goig Mogoig really is the UN, which is interesting because that's the second reason why we have to be very close to the end. Because the nations of the world cannot be united as long as the Jews are involved with Tikkun, because they will stop them. Therefore, the fact that they are now existing, the UN, and that God has allowed mankind to do that, must mean, you see, that the purpose of the Jew, which is Tikkun, is ending. And therefore, that is the beginning, or we are at the doorstep of Mashiach ben Yosef. You see, and therefore God has allowed mankind to unite. And language is no longer a barrier, you see. And that's a second proof, uh, when you think about that, that we are at the doorstep of Mashiach ben Yosef. The fact that they have been allowed to, uh, to unite and, so and do, do what they do. Yeah. What do you think these riots now are? Like, how is that? Is, is that doing Pachamavit still? Like, what's the purpose of it? What do you feel is... What's the purpose of what? Riots now. It's like I for me. I feel like can I tell you what it it looks like to me? Um, I feel like it's like another wave of as if it's like the coronavirus, but the coronavirus was invisible. We couldn't see it. It was like when you know when they say in the beginning in the da 
it comes from the chokhmah from the back, from behind, yes. that you don't see it. But yeah. now the riot is like in front of front of us. It's, we can see it. It's physical. It's right there. So I'm hoping that it could be connected to the zechida where we or, or something where it's like now it's the bina part of it where we could, where we're seeing it. It's coming from the front. It's something. What do you think? Yes, uh, you are right. What is interesting is that America is being severely punished, and also the Jews. I mean, there's a lot of Jewish stores in L.A. that yeah. have been destroyed. Uh, so not only uh, is a Jew denied his ability to have the business open because of corona, right, but he has nothing to go back to because his stores have yeah. been destroyed. Uh, now, that has, of course, filtered in to the entire United States. God is holding the United States terribly guilty uh, for many reasons. And I mentioned one of the main reasons that I think uh, is because, like the, the Mabul, God will not tolerate same-gender marriage publicly and also uh, recommended as a lifestyle by uh, uh, the people of America. And that's exactly what happened, which I mentioned in one of the shurim. To allow a guy like Pete Burgedj, who's married to a man, and he's the woman part, and the other guy is the husband part, uh, that people should vote for a man like this, right? Even if he didn't become president. Can you imagine if he would have become president, and he would go around the world with his husband, right? Could you imagine the hashchosa, the hashchata, that that would have created, and it would have put in the mind of people, oh, well, there's nothing wrong, obviously. If the President of the United States it commits mishkav uh, zakhar, homosexuality, then why not? Then obviously it's okay. Uh, that, I feel, is what in many ways brought on this to America, not to the Jews, but to America. So the first damage or punishment was COVID, uh, which would bring death and illness and pachad moves to the whole America. The second punishment is economic, where he destroyed the ability of America, you know, to, uh, to, to uh, support themselves, you know, in order to have a livelihood. Uh, you know that there are 40 million people that are unemployed? That is more people unemployed now than the Depression in 1929, which is astounding. Now we are witnessing a third punishment. And that is he's destroying the unity of the United States. <clears throat> See, what this is going to do, it's not only that they're all committing criminal acts, but what's happening is he's creating a tremendous division in America. As it is America is divided between liberals and, and conservatives, between, uh, you know, uh, blacks and whites, you know, as it is. But now this is going to really split America because the whites are fuming, it is going to provide a backlash against the blacks. Now the division in America will really suffer terribly. And it's another punishment where he's destroying the unity uh, of America, you, you, you see. Uh, so that's a third form of punishment. You know, uh, what I, I, I mean, I, I have a thought. I hope it never happens is that it, the punishment of America can be so great that he will allow Joe Biden to become president, and that will be the end of America. 
Because not only is the man senile, he's a leftist, socialist. And since he is senile, uh, he will, even if he's president, he will not be able to do anything because the guy doesn't know what he's doing. Instead, there were people around him who will be left progressives and they will control Biden. Guys like Sanders, AOC, all these guys, all these people, and that will destroy America. America will become a socialist country, communist. Uh, that will be terrible. That is the ultimate destruction of America. I, I don't believe that will happen, you know, but certainly America is being severely punished, uh, I believe, because of the, the entire way that they live. So you're right. It is part of the punishment of America. But at the same time, the Jews are also being tremendously punished. Uh, and I mentioned why. There's a tremendous amount of Lashon Hara, Sinat Chinam. And we know that destroyed the Beis Amikdash. That's how bad it is. You imagine God destroys his own house, and then he leaves. He left the world. The Shechina left. Imagine how bad that is, you know. Uh, so I believe that's one of the reasons. Uh, and the second reason uh, is because, if you think about it, there are so many people that are into Gashmiut. I mean, how many people are really into Ruchniyot, spirituality? You know, most people, when they wake up, all they think about is making money, you know, and how to vacation, how to enjoy themselves. You know, how many people are really think about, you know, uh, spirituality, you know, I, I mean, I have to say that uh, there is a rise in people learning Torah, that's true, but, but, uh, but there are so many Jews that don't do that, you see, <clears throat> so uh, certainly that's one of the ideas, but one of the other ideas is that it's like the Holocaust, the Holocaust happened for many reasons. Uh, or, or the, the real reason is only known to God but we can understand that it happened for several reasons to balance the books to allow the Jews to be not culpable for all the sins that they've done so what God has done is brought a holocaust that in six years paid off everybody that was guilty or you know culpable for some punishment and he did that with the Nishamot of the Jews and then he added Nishamot to Nishamot. It was an incredible uh, time of punishment for the Jewish people. So that's the first reason, to balance the books, to bring them up to speed so he could start the process of Gula. And the second reason is to accelerate. Once you allow and you balance the books, you have accelerated the time, you see. Ah, so the Holocaust enormously accelerated the redemption process because right after that not only were they less guilty of their sins because of the punishment of the Holocaust you see because you have to remember the, 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 the merit of the Holocaust is when a Jew dies our Kiddush Hashem when a Jew dies because he's Jewish and that's why he was killed uh, that is a tremendous sanctification of the name of God and that gave tremendous schut to the Jews were killed by the Nazis because they were Jews. So that's the second idea, the concept of accelerating the redemption, you see. <clears throat> the third idea is that it increased enormously the choshech, the darkness. And if the gula happens because of 
about the sins of the Jews, then it must get darker. Because if the Jews don't bring the light, then what God says, okay, I will bring my light differently. I will allow evil to grow and become incredibly powerful. And now what I will do is I will destroy evil. In other words, the greater your opponent, the greater is the demonstration of how strong you are. So God says, if I have to reveal myself, and not because of the merits of the Jews, right, then what I have to do is increase the power of evil, and that will be the demonstration how powerful I am, because I will vanquish all evil. You see, that's why it has to get dark before the Mashiach, if the Jews do not uh, merit the redemption. You see, so the Holocaust, thing? so what the Holocaust did all all three. What was that? What is your opinion? Do you think they're going to merit uh, the redemption or not? They will. That's only because God swore that there will be a redemption, no matter what. There will be, because God obviously will not go back on His word. In fact, you say that in Shimon Esrei. Or maybe Goel in the first bracha. Or maybe Goel, he brings the Redeemer, Leman Shemoi, for his name's sake. Be'avo, with love. In other words, he swore to Avram Avinu that the Jews would be redeemed. He said that to all the Nevi'im, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, and so on, you know. The problem is how the redemption occurs. If the redemption occurs because the Jews do mitzvot, uh, then God says, okay, you will bring me back into the Bria because you are doing the mitzvot. However, if the Jews don't do the mitzvot, instead they sin, so God says that I will return because I swore I'll return. But, if I return, that I'm going to show how powerful I am. And the way you do that is by allowing evil to become so powerful that when God destroys it, it shows you the power of God. You see, and that's really what he did. When the Jews were in Egypt, Egypt at that time was the greatest nation on earth. It was the greatest nation, so militarily. That's what doing now with America, because America was technically on top. Yes, correct. And in yes. a certain sense, yeah. But what's interesting is that I believe that God does not want to destroy America, but what he's trying to do is make America less guilty so he can elevate it. That's the same thing that happened in the Civil War. You ever wonder why there was a Civil War in, 19, in 1860? Why did, the, why, why did America fight itself? Well, we know the simple reasons, because, of course, you know, the South wanted to secede from the Union, and they also wanted to have slavery. And the North said no. But the reason for that is because America was unbelievably guilty of kidnapping. You're not allowed to kidnap a guy and make him your slave. The slave trade. The slave trade meant that America was all guilty of kidnapping. Think about that. That's the sin of Noah. The sin, well, well, yes, you mean because of Hum and so on, yes. You know? But still, you can't kidnap somebody. You know, kidnapping is, is, is a terrible crime. The problem was is that they, you can have a slave if that slave agrees to work for you and you have to pay him. That's the concept of slave in the Torah. Every slave in the Torah agrees to work for you 
because they need the money. So they say, okay, I will be your slave for seven years. You know, but meanwhile, you've got to give me, what, $100,000 or whatever. But you can't kidnap a guy to be your slave. And America was kidnapping all the blacks in Africa. There was a humongous slave trade going on, you see. And since America has to become the Toyf Shebeisov, it has to ultimately become very good for the Jews, and it has to become a land where Jews can go to, right, and do mitzvot and learn Torah. So God has to do what's called balance the books. He has to allow America to be punished. So therefore, they won't be guilty of the slave trade. And the way he did it is a civil war. The Americans killed Americans, you see. In fact, six or 700,000 Americans died in that war, which is a lot of people when you think about the fact that the world only had, I mean, how many people did America have at that time? You know, what did they have, about 50 million people? You know, so almost a million people died in that war. Now with each other. Same Gilgulim coming back to uh, fight again? Yes, that's right. Is this also Dora Mabul, the same thing going on with what's going on right now? The what? What was that? In the door of the Mabul, Hashem destroyed the people with the flood because of the Hamas. Yes. And I feel like the world is doing the same thing right now. It's the same... Uh, different characters, the same show rush. Yeah, exactly. That's what I say. And then the, 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 world, the world, especially, the world is tremendously in hashkata. There's an enormous amount of, like I say, uh, you know, uh, homosexuality. There's a tremendous amount of child kidnapping. <clears throat> if you realize that, the Far East is tremendously involved in child kidnapping, slavery, all kinds of stuff, you know. The problem is that America is the leader, <clears throat> not in child kidnapping, but, um, the, but the, the tremendous amount of, uh, of uh, homosexuality and that lifestyle is, is, is uh, promoted by Hollywood, <clears throat> by America, and the world follows America. So therefore, America is guilty of more. What? Israel also. It's very bad. Homosexuality is very bad in Hashem's city. Yes. So, yeah. So, I mean, Israel is different because it's Jews, and the Torah of Israel is protecting Israel. That's what protects them, you see. So God is very patient with Israel. But don't worry. He'll get rid of that also, hopefully without punishing the Jews, you see. But he will change the government. I have one last question, very important. So, yes. So now we were learning in the class this week, and they were saying how Tisha um, B'Av, the gematria of Tisha B'Av is Tavshin Pei. They're saying that... Is what? Tavshin Pei? Yeah. Tavshin Pei, yeah. And then they were saying Shabbat Chazon, the week before, the Shabbat before Tisha B'Av, is also Tavshin Pei. They were saying um, that... Um, in, they were saying that in the Shabbat HaChazon, after Nishmat Kochai, when we say Vayetzer, when we say Vayetzer, that um, the Atbash of Vayetzer is Magifa, right? Correct. And, and Magifa is also the Gematria of Tavshin Pei. So okay. they're tying everything together that, I mean, God willing, Bezat Hashem, that when we say Vayetzer on Shabbat Chazon, 
the um, the Shekhinah is going to connect to the the Bina is going to connect to the Malchut, and then God willing, then this Tisha B'Av would be a celebration because just celebrate, everything yeah. is is pointing at Tavshin Pei. Yes. That's so right. Wait, can you tell me your own version, not hers now? What do you think about it? I want to write notes on what you have to say. Well, if you think about it, I once mentioned uh, that the Pekido is when the Mashiach ben Yosef is freed. Because I mentioned that he is now, in many ways, a prisoner. But he is freed, okay, from his own... And you said that happened called, on uh, Pesach. Uh, well, I, I hope it happened on Pesach. Anyway, maybe it did. But uh, now, where do we see this? Because when God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu, he said a very interesting language. He said, pokaditi, I have surely remembered. Right? And therefore, now, pokaditi, uh, okay, is gematria 780, which is, now, uh, 780 we are living now in 5,780. What's interesting is that Pokoid has a Vav, but we don't, we don't write it, we pronounce it. So since it's not written, it's not part of the Gematria, but since we pronounce it, it is included in the Cheshbon, the reckoning. So if you think about it, Pokoid is missing a Vav. A Vav is what? Is six. That means in the sixth, in the six thousandth year, which is this year, five thousand. So it's five thousand seven hundred eighty. The vav represents the five, which is the six thousand, the sixth millennium, or the six thousandth year, right? And pokoi pokadeti is gematria seven hundred and eighty. By the way, you have to add the two words, and that so therefore five thousand seven hundred eighty is really the gematria of the pekida. Pokoid. In fact, the word Tavshin Pei, which is this year, can be read Tihiyesh Nat. It should be the year of Pekida. Pei. Pekida. So there's tremendous allusions to the fact that this is the year of the redemption. And so what you're mentioning is that Tisha B'Av is Gematria Tavshin Pei. Is that what you said? Yep. Okay, and what else is also Chazon? Uh, Shabbat Chazon. Is also Gematria Tavshin Pei? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that, that, that certainly fits in very well with the whole concept of the Tavshin Pei as the Gematria Pokri Pokaditi. And what is interesting is that we know that the Mashiach bin David is born when? On Tisha B'Av. On Tisha B'Av. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean he has to be born physically on that day. It means that he's born, which means that he arises because of Tisha B'Av, you see. So it's very possible that Mashiach ben David will arise, even if he's not visible to us, because first is Mashiach ben Yosef. It's very possible that the Tisha B'Av will be the time that he himself is also, in a certain sense, uh, freed from the klipa, so this year looks like a very good year, a very good year, <clears throat> and we see that you know, like I said, the Holocaust was to accelerate the process, and clearly the the COVID nineteen is accelerating the process 
but for the Jews, because there's a tremendous amount of pachat marbet, and tremendous amount of uh, punishment for the Jews uh, economically, and so on. But we know that at the same time, when you punish the Jews, the world is also punished. And uh, I believe America is really going through tremendous hardships because they don't realize that they are, they must be cleansed of the tremendous sin uh, that they have allowed alternative lifestyles to exist and they promote it, you see. <clears throat> so this year certainly is a great year <clears throat> that the, um, the Mashiach will come. No question about that. So where, where's this Mashiach ben Yosef in all of this if Mashiach ben David is coming in Tisha B'Av? Because ben, ben David, even, even if he's uh, not born, but even if he arises, so to speak, he waits. Oh, Mashiach ben Yosef, what was that? Not going to tell us? We bought tambourines. You bought tambourines? <laughs> okay. Hey, you're you're gonna, I'm sorry, you have to hold on to them. But this year looks to be a very good year that the beginning of Mashiach um, will, will be able to come. Very good Rabbi, year. with all that's going on now, I feel like Hashem is trying so hard to tell us more and more, stop getting comfortable in America. It's time to pick up and make Aliyah and move to Israel. Is this like mm-hmm. not what Hashem's trying to do? Your businesses well, it, are not I, secure. Yes. Like, he's trying so much to detach us from America. Yes, in a certain sense, that could be what he's saying. Yes. When are you going you know. to Israel, Rabbi? That's when I'm, Lena, I want to go. Okay. Tell us okay. when you go, because we're going with you. When, when who goes? Oh, when you go, we're all going. We're all coming together. Oh, okay. Sounds great. You know, I mean, I have a place there, so, you know, I go anyway. I'm moving in. You know. <laughs> moving in, okay. Okay. Very nice. Well, when do you think, Rabbi, that, like, we should start even, like, looking to go to Israel? Like, you don't want to be the last one standing. Well, Like, you know, snooze you lose type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, you know, I, I, if it gets worse... You know, uh, I mean, uh, the, the only real way that you know, I mean, if, if Biden wins, then I believe everybody's got to get out of here. He's going to change the whole America. <clears throat> you know, so you just have to sit and wait. But something will happen. Look, uh, you know, I mean, ultimately speaking, nobody really knows how God is going to change the Jewish people. We know that he will. Because it says, it says in Nitzavim, even if your outcasts are at the ends of the heavens, that's what it says. From there, Misham Yikabetzcha, God will gather you. O Misham, and from there, He will Yikochecho, He will bring you. So that's two redemption. The first redemption is that He's going to change you around to become more spiritual, and He's going to do it. You see. And then once you become more spiritual, then he's going to gather you to go to Eretz Yisrael. You see. Uh, so it's very possible that it's not going to come because of threat. It's very possible that the Mashiach ben Yosef will build the Beit HaMikdash, miraculously. And then everybody's going to go. 
that could be oh. one of the ways that, that it's going to happen. But then it's going to be like the flights are going to be overpacked and it's going to be a, yeah. a rush. Okay. Okay, who cares? Yeah, but uh, I'm sure God will provide ways to get there. Okay. Uh, Rabbi, you know I saying? have a question. So yeah? does Mashiach Ben Yosef, um, have, uh, does he show, announce himself um, and, then, and then the Kelipah of, of Mashiach Ben David comes out? Like, does the Kelipah Mashiach Ben David have to come out after Yosef announces himself, or, or he could come out when Yosef is not even, he didn't even announce yet to begin with? Like, is there a sequence of events in that? In that? Well, it, what, what, what it seems to be is that the Mashiach Ben Yosef has to be removed from his Kelipah, or else he can't do anything. Correct. But it could still be that Mashiach Ben David is still in the Klippah. But there will be a time when he will also be released from his Klippah. Uh, but, but first, Mashiach Ben Yosef has to do his job. You right, see. so I'm saying Yosef could be doing his job now, and then Bezat Hashem by Tisha B'Av, David's Klippah could be released, and things it's not, it's not. It's not likely. You know, we, we, we first have to go through a period of Mashiach Ben Yosef. We, we have to go okay, through that and period. And it's not here. Is that what you're trying to tell me? It's not here. It's not here. Exactly. It's not here. So we still got time. Here. You still have time. Correct. That's right. I mean, we're getting obviously very close. But uh, in that sense, we have time. 780, you know? we still have time. Yeah, so then what is, what, why would it all be 780 in the, like, why, what, how would that connect to everything so much? I'm not understanding your question. What was that? Why Tapshin is Pei, everything is coming back to Tapshin Pei, but the year is no, almost so over. No, so Pei, like I said, is not the release of Ben David, it's the release of Ben Yosef, that's the Pekido. Tapshin Pei is the Pekido. And the Bekidah is the release, not of Ben David, it's the release mm-hmm. of Yosef. And then once he's released, then he himself begins to grow, which I pointed out. He himself begins to grow, and people begin to recognize that, like I said, uh, he has extraordinary atzlacha, you see, and then he can accomplish whatever he can accomplish, which I believe is to raise the level of ruchniyot, uh, of Torah, among the Jewish people. That's what I believe. And as he does that, there will come a time that the world is ready for Mashiach ben David. But you cannot have a Mashiach ben David when the Jews are, 11 million Jews are gone. Well, what's right. he going to come to? You know, a king cannot be a king if there's no palace. If there's no palace, if there's no that he can over, so what's the whole point? Right now the Jews, most of them are gone. We don't realize that. You know, okay, even if there's a couple of million Jews that are Shomer Shabbat, but the overwhelming majority of Jews are gone. And every Jew counts. Every Jew counts. So that is the job of Mashiach ben Yosef. So ben David, who is he going to come to? Because he's the one who rules, you see. Therefore, the first Tikufah period of time has to be ben Yosef. And hopefully that will start... This year. This year, when? And that's why we, and that's why we are seeing such severe punishments. Okay. When you, when you say this year, you're talking about 
Hebrew year, English year? What do we like? What I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about the Hebrew year. The Hebrew year. Tavshin so Tavshin 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 yeah. the beginning of things. Bottom line. Yeah. Look, okay, we are watching so severe. We are watching severe dinim, very severe punishments. It's unheard of. God is subjecting the entire planet to a very severe punishment. And now he's making it even worse for America. You know, look, this is what's called, uh, the, 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 it's, this is called the divine reckoning. It's all coming home to roost, as they say. You know? And that's why, because we, we are literally right at the end. <clears throat> look, I told you, remember, when Moshe Rabbeinu came to the Paroi, it got worse didn't it? Yeah. Much worse. Because then they had to gather straw. Besides making bricks, they had to gather straw at night. That means they couldn't even sleep. Can you imagine how, can you imagine the suffering that they went through for a while? You see? Because in a certain sense, you have to clean Jewish people. You have to cleanse them. And that's really what this is. It is a cleansing process for the Jewish people. That is why it's very severe. You see, Rabbi, how long of a period is it from Yosef to David? Nobody knows. Uh-huh. It's unknown. But we do know that Yosef has to do his job, <clears throat> and then Ben David comes. You see. Look, let's hope it's very shortly. Amen. You know? Okay. Anyway, thank you. And uh, speak to you next week. Thank you, Thank you, Rabbi. Yes. Great. Okay. Take care. See you next week. Would you drive to deal? What was that? What? Drive to deal, Rabbi? Well, I I don't. Right now, I'm home. And I, I, you know, because I. Over coronavirus. I have to see what happens, you know, now that people are getting together to see what happens. That is not a resurgence. You know? That's another problem. Yeah, we, nobody really knows what's going to be. Yeah, there was you a know. spike in Israel, so. Exactly, exactly. So you still have to be very careful. It's not, it, believe me, it's not over. You know, Rabbi, so you have to be careful. Class. What was that? We love your classes. Great. Mm-hmm. Look, there's a lot of very yeah. powerful information. <laughs> yeah, listen. Sure, Talk about your class all week long. What was that? We talk about your class all week long, and then we can't wait until the next class. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so that's nice to hear. <clears throat> yeah. Look, this is very important information, and it's also very pnimiut. It's very profound information about, you know, like the, how many people realize that the UN is the undoing of the Doha Mabel. You know? Um, I, obviously, people don't realize that. Yeah. Look, it's a lot of very important information. <clears throat>